Welcome to the Legendarium. Okay, Ryan, can I get your level? You may indeed. This is the level at which you'll hear me through Skype. Nice. I will be trying to complete sentences that make sense. Uh, okay. Here we go. Welcome, everybody, to the Legendarium Podcast. In our off-week episode, is this a filler? Yes, it is, and we <laughs> refuse to apologize for that. I am Craig Hanks, your uh, your very attractive and very attractive-sounding host. Todd. Very delusional host. <laughs> Did we get a new Craig Hanks? We'd better uh, introduce all the rest of these guys. Well, they say Bigfoot doesn't exist, but he does, and he's here in studio with us. It's Todd Wente. Yes. And he reads slower than my two-year-old, which is why we're not podcasting about a Brandon Sanderson book this week. It's oh. Ken Johnson. And he talks <laughs> even slower. Thank and, you, Sloth. And he's joining us via Skype because I hate him. It's Ryan Bruckman. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hi, I Ryan. thought it was because Ryan smelled. That was you. Yeah, that oh, that was you. me. I'm sorry. And you're still here. And yet. And yet. It's I the can fur. smell you through Skype. Yes, I'm sure you can. Uh, before we get started into the non-meat of this episode, um, just wanted to... I thought this was all salad episode. <laughs> just wanted to uh, make sure everybody's aware. Uh, if you are not listening to our Brandon Sanderson podcasts, that's probably because you haven't read the books. Well, you can, and you should. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you should go to our website, thelegendariumpodcast.com, which will, it, there's a big banner ad right on the front that'll take you straight to worldswithoutend.com and the reading challenge that we have set up there. You can go straight there, uh, worldswithoutend.com, or you, like I said, it's kind of easier, I think, to navigate if you just go to our website uh, and find the challenge that way. Uh, when we do the next Brandon Sanderson book next week, which is Bands of Mourning, oh. we will have a few uh, fun little listener notes from the forum on Worlds Without oh, End. Oh, very cool, very cool. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, let's see. Oh, the other thing that I want to announce, and we'll do this again next week, uh, we have joined IMSY, IMSY.com. IMSY. I-M-Z-Y. Uh, they are a new, yeah, I hesitate to call it a social media platform. It's more like a community platform. Discussion yeah. community. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's like all the best bits of Facebook and Reddit combined into one. Without all the Zuckerberg. Uh, but <laughs> you can go straight to imsy.com slash legendarium and join our community there. We are still in the beta. We've agreed to help them out with the beta process testing everything out but we would love you to help us out with that there are a limited number of slots available and so if you'd like to get into the community within the next uh what, three or four months mm-hmm. while this beta is still going on hop in there imsy.com slash legendarium request an email invite and i will get you in i am like a bouncer only not as big or as buff or as threatening Threatening or powerful? Yeah, I'm much more accommodating than your average. So really, counselor. you're just a guy at a door. I hate you. He's he's and much more. He's much less threatening to everybody else except for us. And <laughs> it's not even a real door. Uh, no, it, seriously though, door? we um, the Legendarium community there already has dozens of members. We're hoping to get it to a couple hundred, I think, for the beta. Uh, and so we really just opened the doors. And so I assume that those slots are going to fill up really fast. So if you'd like to get in there, get in there quickly. 
and uh, we'll see you on there. Basically, what you'll do is interact uh, in a more anonymous way than you would on Facebook. This is not about you. It's about the community. It's not even about us. Uh, And so if you are a super narcissist, you're not going to have a lot of fun there. But if you enjoy... If you enjoy, Why were you looking at me when you said super narcissist? <laughs> if you enjoy good content and good discussions about said content, we're having a lot of fun on there. So come join us, mz.com slash legendarium. Or if you like making fun of narcissists. Anyway, so this week, uh, like I say, it's a, it, is it a filler episode? Yeah, sure, we can call it that. But we've got a lot to talk about. There's, Let's be honest. There's, the filling inside of a Twinkie is the best part of the Twinkie. So maybe this is the best part of the podcast. Maybe. I was going to say the best part of the pie, but Twinkie <laughs> It's pie. also just as unhealthy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, much. Exactly. You will get nothing out of this. Yeah, there's no, sub- there's no substance. Yeah, we are the oral not. sugar. <laughs> that just sounded like the most filthy thing that's ever been said. Wow. Oral. Wow. Not, not oral. I, oral. I, yeah. I knew exactly what you said. I heard what you said. If that doesn't make it any better, Ken. Uh, just anyway. like just like the filling in a pie or a Twinkie. And this has already gone off the rails, hasn't it? <laughs> shut up. Shut up. Shut up. All right. So we've got <laughs> a few things to talk about. It is mid-March, uh, and so we're a quarter, almost a quarter of the way through this year, and already a lot's happened in 2016, uh, and there's a lot more yet to come. So we'll talk about some of that stuff. Um <sighs> Let's, yeah, let's save the movies. The, one of the first things I want to talk sure. about earlier this month, uh, yeah, and I'll just tease this one a little bit. The uh, uh, Nintendo put out the Zelda Twilight Princess HD remake for yeah. Wii U, <laughs> uh, which I'd be lying if I said I wasn't very excited about. I, I got it on opening day, and I'm... And I'm, how was it? Oh, it's wonderful. I'm playing through it right now. I'm not very far. I just got my third fused shadow, which I assume you all know what that means. That sounds like a stormlight thing, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, my children know that. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Uh, Remember, I played Metal Gear Solid when it was a two-dimensional game. <laughs> right. Because uh, you're old. <laughs> yes, yes, because I'm old. Uh, like I said, I, I, I'm not going to do a full review, partly because we are planning to do one in a few weeks here, um, and partly because I'm not done with the game yet. There's yeah. some new content uh, that I haven't gotten to yet, uh, but so far, the game looks great, uh, and it's been very interesting to try to play it on the Wii U pad versus the nunchuck thing controller. Yeah, you, you know, one of the things that um, I, w- I was really – I've been really impressed with Nintendo about the way that they um, they try and keep things relevant and cross-platformed. Um, my kids have pulled out all of our old GameCube games to play on our Wii. Yeah. And we've had a blast revisiting some of those old games. Um, and they're still as glitchy as they ever were on the GameCube. But, you know, at least <laughs> at least we've got a new a new device that actually works to play them. Um, but the fact that they're coming back and they're, and they're taking some of these titles and revamping them for the Wii U and really trying to infuse something into that says that they I think they understand what made them successful um, and that they're really convinced that that's what they need to stick with yeah i think you're speaking probably right. of Nin- i hate to derail it too much but speaking of nintendo's uh struggle for relevance how about the <laughs> uh, cross-platform announcement for xbox oh yeah well all right first of all i'm very very excited about that uh and second of all i'm not sure that i'm as worried about nintendo as a lot of people seem to be uh just because they they're such innovators i feel like they'll find a way 
and and they they're carving out their own little niche. Yeah, uh, and they they don't need to be the same as Sony no, and don't. Microsoft, and I'm okay with it. They know very clearly that if they continue to innovate platform, that everybody else around them will keep up with conv- with coming out with new gameplay while they continue to innovate platform. Yeah. Um, I think that's what I think that's what Nintendo really and and for that style of company, I think that's the direction they want to go, and that's what they do, and it works really well for them. I think the Wii... Uh, okay, so the NES back in 1985 mm-hmm. was a just a huge accomplishment. Uh, the N64 in 1996 was huge. Yeah. Uh, the, so the SNES was a bit of a misstep. Then they had the uh, mm-hmm. N64, which was huge. Uh, then they had the GameCube, which was a bit of a misstep. Mm-hmm. And then they had the Wii, which was huge. And then they had the Wii U, which, uh, you At know, which I time, love, but it's a bit of a misstep. I'm assuming that their next one will be a huge leap forward, uh, just based on past patterns, right? I'd buy that. So I'd buy that. Hopefully. I, I could see that it's either that. I'm more inclined to believe that they will probably become a little bit more of a game producer than a than a platform producer in the future, is my guess, yeah. unless they can come up with something truly innovative. Um, which they can. That's not to say it's against the the grain for them to do that. Right. But I I just have a feeling that they're going to they're going to be more of a game set up in the, in the next little while. It's it not. Wouldn't, it it wouldn't surprise me at all if they actually separate them into two different uh, operating divisions, um, significant operating divisions where they become slightly their own company. So yeah, you've got that, a that would buy Nintendo me. and you've got Nintendo. It would surprise me a lot. Just I I it, it would surprise me if they separated the two. I would be more inclined to believe that they would just make games to mm. sell on other platforms just because the only thing that moves consoles for Nintendo is their content, <laughs> is their <laughs> Marios, true. their Zeldas, yep. their uh, you know, whatever. Um, and so if they get rid of, of those things, then they're, you know, or if they make if those they make available so be, yeah. on other platforms, then there is no reason to get a Nintendo. That's an interesting, so that's an idea. That's I, I don't concept. think, I don't think they'll split it, but I could see them going a very different direction. I can see that different direction to. being focusing more on handhelds rather than consoles. Um, yeah. Or yeah. mobile. So, I've heard mobile. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Oh, Nintendo stuff. Oh, the other thing I was going to say is um, Zelda Wii U. There's no official name for it yet, but it's an open universe or an open world Zelda game. Like a Zelda Minecraft? Well, I, I don't know. I've never played Minecraft. I refuse. Um, but uh, I, I Assassin's Creed. Yeah, okay. <laughs> there we go. Now we're talking. Uh, a Zelda Assassin's Creed. That's even more interesting. I think it's going to be really cool from what they're... From what they're putting out there it, it's much more cartoony which is kind of fun you mm-hmm. know you don't need another uh yeah you don't need another assassin's creed or shadows of mordor or uh, destiny or what have you those are pretty realistic and very cool to play don't get me wrong but again nintendo's a little different nintendo's so, generally targeted to somebody under yeah, the age little, of 13 little well a little more family friendly yeah. so anyway which means we won't need to, to the worry about thirteen and Craig. Yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> Which means we won't have to worry about seeing a world of Zelda anytime soon. Thirteen, Craig, and my wife. Well, uh, she has great taste. I've always said that, except in one but area. I can't imagine what that would be. Mm. Yeah, it will. That game will be successful simply if they hold to what the simple things that make all the Zelda games that have been successful successful. I mean. 
can you cut down grass and get a rupee? Yes, you'll be able to do that. If you get the chickens, will they attack you? I'm sure they will. That'll make it successful. That's what it'll be. Well, if we talk about this much more, then we're not going to have anything to do in a few weeks when I finish playing this game. So right. Just remember, it's dangerous to go alone. It's Take always this. dangerous to go alone. Um, so before we get to the movies, uh, I wanted to mention, so obviously we're big-time Brandon Sanderson folks here. Have you guys heard of White Sands? No. Yes. Oh. Ryan, have you heard I of this? Heard. I do not think so. White Sands? Yeah, White mm-hmm. Sands is a uh, an unreleased novel by Brandon Sanderson. He wrote this thing. It's on it takes it's place a... on this world with no rotation, or I should say the rotation is such that one side of the planet is continually bathed in sunlight and the other is in darkness. Uh and uh, these people use sand in their magic system versus something like metal and mistborn and uh, anyway so it's this uh cool sounding fantasy story that he made they never released it and so it's getting the uh getting the graphic novel treatment instead of the novel treatment and that is due out in july so one more thing for us to look forward to and this is an interesting move just because i'm not much of a comics guy I've never, it's not that I hate the medium, please don't get me wrong, it's just that I didn't grow up with it, I've never, it's never spoken to me in the same way, and it's been so much fun for me to read Brandon Sanderson stuff, because I feel like I kind of get, with the Cosmere and everything, I kind of get that uh, that thing that comics people always talk about, where there's interrelated plots, yeah. and you know, storylines yeah. jumping back and forth, all that fun stuff, but I get it in a format that I've latched on to for mm-hmm. my whole life right and so uh so i i am wondering about this i'm excited to see how it goes i'm excited to see how people respond but i'm a little nervous for myself graphic novels work um graphic novels work when the artist the creator and the community are approaching it from the same kind of perspective i've seen some really good graphic novels executed very very well by an artist who didn't get the community or didn't get the didn't really understand the storyline or the visualizations that were being created in the novels and or in the in the comic book stories themselves and they just bomb um even though they're well done well executed and so it'll be interesting to see who the who the artist is and what kind of intera- and interaction they've had with Brandon to make sure that they've got it exactly the way that he wants it and then it's going to give us a chance to really see what he thinks things need to look like when when magic occurs what does it look like because there's always something going on the artist is uh julius gopez yeah not or however you say that i don't know how that's pronounced uh but uh here you can look (laughs) at it todd on the screen um this is what it looks like you can go if you want to see it go to gizmodo uh and you can check out a pretty substantial preview uh goes through quite a few frames uh and yeah, I, I I don't know. Like I said, I didn't grow up with comics, so I don't know how to judge the art. Uh, but it looks fine to me. Um, yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, uh, it's not as vibrant as some comic books I've seen. Uh, but well, and I think uh, I'm willing to bet that it's because of the sand motif. That, yeah, right, that's what I was thinking. Um, kind of washed out. Yeah, I'll I'll be I'll be anxious. I'll be anxious to see this. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Is anything Sanderson else you guys want to say about that? that? I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, Somebody or looked we... at me the other day and they said, so your podcast thing, I said, yeah. They said, you're kind of Brandon Sanderson fanboys, aren't you? I said, no. 
We are absolutely Brandon Sanderson <laughs> fanboys. <laughs> there, there's no, no kinda about we're it. We're fan men. Fan men. <laughs> we're fan men in tights. Yes. Yeah. No, we're, yeah. Uh, should we move on to movies? Please. Okay. All right. What's the first one we want to talk about? Ken, kick us off. Well, we could talk about you know so many movies coming out, but oh. we're looking back. We could talk about um, the, what's the one we all saw. Well, not all of us. I was going to say, I don't think all of us saw it. No. I saw Deadpool. Ken, I, you saw Deadpool? I, I can neither confirm nor deny that I saw Deadpool. He's nodding into the microphone. <laughs> I, I, my, my wife and I have agreed not to discuss Deadpool. <laughs> so, because she listens to the podcast, I, I can firmly say that my wife and I have agreed not to discuss Deadpool. <laughs> Ryan, have you seen it? I have not yet seen Deadpool. Okay. Um, you want to see it on the way home, Ryan? Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's my thing. Um, it's Okay, so it was the biggest February release ever. Ever. <laughs> it was, and I, well, like, and, seriously. That's, uh, and, and the biggest rated R release biggest R, yes. ever. Our biggest R rated movie ever. Um, well, so it's just like, it's just this massive thing. And the reason why, uh, in my humble yet beautiful opinion <laughs> um, is is its marketing. Oh, yeah. The marketing yeah. leading up to it. The movie itself isn't that special. Now, that being said, it's very good. I really liked it. I had a ton of fun, a lot more fun than I thought I would. I laughed at a lot of parts. Uh, but they promised, what they promised, they did not deliver. What was that? Uh, they promised more of everything that is terrible in movies, sex, violence, gore. <laughs> and while there was plenty of that stuff, it was it was a pretty standard R-rated flick. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I would and, buy that. And I think I, I would say that the only reason that they went that they didn't go any farther than they did is because they there's an anticipation that you can only deliver so much blood by the gallon. <laughs> and Quentin Tarantino has kind of drawn a line Cornered that market. and said, if you deliver more than this, it's considered <laughs> a snuff film and no one's going to go see it. Right. A lot of the stuff was clever. I mean, Ryan Reynolds was hilarious. The, the, the script writing was... The, the script writing was funny, you know, and, and there were a lot of those clever things with the breaking the fourth wall <laughs> and, and all of the little it Easter was, eggs. It was very funny. And he his charisma definitely carried the movie yeah but i will say this by the end of it uh, in the last i don't know 15 20 minutes or so the shtick had run its course yeah and, and, and i was done with it and that's a typical thing for people who read deadpool as well yeah the first time that you read um i'm i've been reading deadpool ken you've been reading deadpool now for what 20 years well i stopped reading deadpool but okay I'll, because i kind of you know that it didn't really resonate with me i didn't care for the you know so i've been stick, so. I've, I've been reading deadpool and and getting a kick out of deadpool's uh out of the out of the way that they use deadpool to make fun of everything especially themselves in the world of the comic book business um and for, they do this in the comics you mean they do this in the comics all the time um in fact there are there are uh there are moments in the comic book history of deadpool where deadpool will stop he'll look out of the ca- out of the comic panel and say are you kidding? We are characters in a comic book for crying out loud. People are reading this. It's not really happening. I mean, <laughs> this has been done and it's been done multiple times. Right. And and for people who for for people who approach that the first time it's funny, the second time that you see it you kind of go, "Eh." And the third time you either go, "I get a kick out of this" or yeah, okay, get me back into something that I can read. I I I really was enjoying it for most of the movie. 
Um, it was just at that very end. Act That's one, all. act two, act three. Right. <laughs> the the two things I think about the Deadpool movie that uh, impressed that that I well that impressed me the most, not impressed, but sunk in with me. You liked. No, no. Use easy words, Ken. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not saying I liked them or didn't like them. They're He's the, still stuck on being the smart guy. <laughs> they're the two things that I noticed. Let's put it that way. Okay. okay. Don't even have anything to do with the actual movie. It's that. It's they serve as cautionary tales to movies coming after it because the two things that I thought Deadpool did very well is this is a rated R movie by necessity for a rated R character um, in a world that was making in a world in a world that was making a killing off of PG thirteen rated superhero movies and now I'm afraid that more and more of them are going to go well hey Deadpool made three hundred plus million dollars as a rated R movie. Let's make this one a rated R movie when it doesn't uh, nah, need to be. Nah, I don't see that happening. Maybe for if they were to do something like uh, if they redid the Punisher movie, which they won't do because they'll probably do it on Netflix now. Right. But like if they were to do that, like that's a character that should be rated that's, R. Yeah. That even but even a Wolverine the, movie. They'll keep the PG thirteen comics PG thirteen. Sure. But even well, even I, a Wolverine I, movie so could. I think that Ken has a point, but you have to specify it a little more. I don't think they're just going to be like, hey, let's make Captain America rated R. They're not going to do that, especially not Marvel. Right. Um, but what you are going to see is that they're going to be looking for more opportunities to make rated R movie characters. Yes. And that's not necessarily a good thing to be looking to go out and look for those just for the sake of doing them. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you, the, one of the reasons why, even without having seen, seen, even without having seen Deadpool, that I know it works is because the people who were involved in it cared about the character and cared about doing the doing it justice to the fans and to to all that. It's the same with um, you know whatever you may feel towards Guardians of the Gal- Galaxy and and uh, the new Star Wars films. People who care about the project will do it justice and will do what they have to to make it work. Um, and that's why you get those quality pieces when you come in and say, "Hey, let's make a Punisher movie," for example. Um, just because the rated R market is going well, you do yourself a very big disservice because you're probably not going to get the team that, that's going to care about that enough. Ryan, right. you've, you've proven once again that you're the smartest one here. Um, because Only because he's the first one to say it. <laughs> I was going to say, that, that was my His point. T- he's no, got I, the best timing out of all of I, us. Well, yeah. <laughs> Some, pretty smart about that. that. Yeah, okay, okay. I'll um, give you that. No, it's. I, I want to use that to pivot just a little bit um, and talk about another project that just wrapped up, which was the Shannara Chronicles oh. on MTV, oh. which we were really <laughs> kind of looking forward to, and which I hated. Let's say we were cautiously optimistic. We're, yeah, that's the phrase we used back in the in the day. Uh, I actually liked it at first. I, I didn't ever love it, but I thought, yeah, this is fun. I can get on board with this. The changes were bizarre, starting from the first frame, but, yeah. you know, but it's whatever i i was okay with it but i ended up hating it and it's because as the series as the 10 episode arc wore on it became more and more apparent that the heart was not there uh and and i'm not talking about the heart of the story necessarily i'm talking about the heart of the producers the directors the actors nobody actually cared about the source You've got the same situation showing up with the, the Shannara Chronicles that you had with Fantastic Four last summer, um, that you've had with the Spider-Man movies through Sony. Um, you've got studio executives who think this will make us money, so let's just throw it out there. 
rather than um, people like those from the Marvel Studios who turn around and say, no, this is a particular kind of story that has to be told in a particular kind of way, get the right people on the project, and tell the story and let it be what it is. Um, I, I think Joss Whedon knew that, that the Avengers, when done correctly, was going to make a lot of money. But I don't think that's why Joss Whedon wanted to do the Avengers. I think it was because he really likes the storyline. And I think whenever you, whenever you do that kind of a process, um, you, have to have, you have to have people who believe in the story first and then see what they can execute with. Yeah. Uh, so you're absolutely right. My wife, who was, who was thrilled with the idea... Um, when she was, when she was about halfway through the, the, the movie or the, the series, she looked at me and she said, I'm not sure I remember any of this. (laughs) I said, sweetheart, go read, go read Craig's pod or his, uh, his posts on TV and jelly. She said, Oh, now I understand. (laughs) If you, if you haven't yet go to tvjelly.com. I did some recaps there. I did all of them actually 10 full recaps complete with. Screen grabs and gifts and whatnot. It really hurt you to do those, didn't it? It was. I I was like two <laughs> weeks behind uh, by the time I got to the finale, and it was just because every I think it came out on Tuesday nights, and so on Wednesdays I would sit down at my computer and start doing screen grabs, and it got to the point around episode six or seven where I was like I was fearing it. <laughs> I. I knew I needed to do it because when I start a project, I've got to finish it. I can't just leave it undone. Uh, and so I knew I was going to do it, but I would, you know, you get the shakes and uh, I'm getting really nervous about going back to my computer and doing this. And anyway, but it's done. It's all there. Um, Snarkily done, sir. Snarkily done. Yeah. And the, the recaps really were much much I enjoyed the recaps more than much the actual better show. than the actual show. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, I think it was like number eight or so. I finally just said I, I had to apologize because I started out real snarky and then I just got super whiny because I was so pissed about what they were doing to that show. So anyway, sorry about that. Hope they were fun for a while. It's it, that I had the same feeling when I was watching. Um, when I've watched every iteration of Fantastic Four, yeah, I have yet to see one that I watch and I say to myself. They get it. Um, not the first one, not the first iteration, not the second iteration. I'm, I'm hopeful that they'll get somebody on, on board with that. That's a franchise that really, when it's executed well, is going to be really, really fun. We have yet to see it. Yeah. And so far it should be executed well. Speaking oh. of young adult stuff, let's talk Divergent. Real quick, uh, this this can be a very fast one. I, I'm an- anxious to hear what you say. My wife and I have been waiting to see this together. We want to watch it together, and we just don't have time. I haven't seen it, the new one. I saw the first movie. Did you guys see I any saw the of first movie. I read the first book, and I watched the first movie. I just can't bring myself to getting into either the book or really? the movie. Oh, the second or third? I, no, I just I think they're awful. The, the first movie was pretty bad. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically uh, – <sighs> It's a ripoff of Hunger Games without using the same storyline, if that makes oh. sense. It's the, yeah. you know, it's the same yeah. attitude, same thing, really. So basically, every other angsty teenage novel that's grown right. to much. be a and, young adult novel. And the acting was bad, and I personally thought the casting was awful. I mean, she's supposed to be this little can't lift anything girl, and Shailene Woodley is like five eight, five nine, and wispy. I mean, she looked. It was just a wrong look for for the main character, yeah. and mm. I, I I just didn't like the acting. Jai Courtney is awful. 
Is he the other the he's guy the bad plays? guy with oh, the, with the okay. bolts in his eye and stuff? And yeah, anyway, anyway, uh, it just it bad all around bad. So I didn't, I never saw anything after that. I never read the books. Uh, apparently, people are still seeing them, but not many people are liking them. This latest one, Allegiant, got ten percent on the tomato meter. Not. Uh, no, Doesn't bode not, well. Not, not bueno, you guys. No. No. Yeah. So, uh, and that's actually worse than another one that we should talk about, which none of us have seen because nobody has seen it. Gods, Gods of, Egypt. of Egypt. Yeah. Gods of Egypt yeah. got 14%. So. Wow. It's down to 13. Oh, is it 13 now? Yeah. Yeah. When more people see it, it goes down. That's not a good <laughs> that's, sign. Well, that that's the critic rating. <laughs> the the um, viewer rating is actually around 45%. Ryan, have you seen this one? No, I haven't. Uh, I I took one look at that and went, oh, look, they read it Scorpion King. I'm done. <laughs> but I, I, saw, I, I saw the preview and immediately was taken back to, I think it was last spring or last February when uh, Jupiter Ascending came yes, out. Yes, yes. And I said, oh, hey, that's this year's Jupiter Ascending. Some studio threw a kajillion dollars at it and then saw it and saw what mega crap it was and said, ah, just put that out in February. Uh, nobody's going to see it. Nobody's going to care. People will forget. We'll all forget. It's it, it makes <laughs> Jupiter Ascending look like dang Shakespeare by comparison. I'm not sure. Well. That. <laughs> that was a pretty bad movie. That was a bad movie. No, we Seventh saw that Sun together. made that was Jupiter awesome. Ascending oh, look right. like... Uh, Seventh Sun made Jupiter Ascending look pretty good, though. <laughs> uh, Ken, didn't you have some quotes from the director? Oh, of, did that was oh, the wait, best part of the movie. Who directed this? Alex Proyas. That's right. And he did... He did The Crow. Dark City. Dark oh. City. Knowing. Knowing is one of those ones that I loved that everybody... I Loved it. knowing. That was a great. That was movie. a fun show. Anyway, now wait a minute. The director of those shows, all very good and insightful shows, mm-hmm. comes up with something that scores a thirteen on the tomato meter. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. what about comes up with, but was asked to put his name on. <laughs> well, he was, was he on strong medication during it's, this period I mean, of Alex time? Proyas, he's Greek who was um, raised in Egypt. I mean, so I mean, it's just, it's not like. But the rest no, of the is, cast wasn't right. Eh. Well, and, and there's you know there've been complaints about whitewashing. His reaction to the critical reaction is even more entertaining than I'm sure the movie is because what do you say? Uh, just a few weeks, not a few weeks, a few days after the movie came out and only got 14 million dollars and was universally just killed by critics. He took to Facebook to. Not universally. I saw one person say it was a guilty pleasure. Actually, there were on Rotten Tomatoes. On all out of all the reviews, it did get ten. Literally, that's the number ten reviews that were positive. So, <laughs> you know, Hence so it wasn't thirteen percent. <laughs> anyway, right. what what do you say, Ken? But I mean, he he just butchered it. He this is my favorite one. He likened the critics to this is a quote: a pack of diseased vultures pecking at the bones of a dying carcass. <laughs> oh no 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 and no, then no, he, no 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 no! Hang on, did he just? call his movie a, a dead dying carcass. carcass that's even better <laughs> and then he, he described them as deranged idiots and less than worthless <laughs> and he, he went on about how critics these days aren't like critics back in the old days it sounds like a scene from an M. Night Shyamalan movie no it sounds like uh, what's his name from Fantastic Four last year Josh Trank Josh Trank <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway. So anyway, he, he, you know, just, he went off on the critics and told him to, you know, get a life. Basically he used a few more colorful words than that, but yeah, he didn't have a lot of positive words for the critics who didn't have a lot of positive words for his movie and the vicious cycle 
just continues, continues on. One hundred forty million dollars for a fourteen million dollar return. It's been out uh, after. I, th- I think it's like thirty seven now, right? It's after to, um, after to three weeks, after three weeks, it has made twenty eight million dollars. Oh, ouch! Um, it, now I will say this about Gods of Egypt because just because when it came out or when the previews came out, people started immediately going after the movie for its quote unquote whitewashing, whitewashing yeah. yeah, which drives me absolutely crazy. Oh, is this the racist moment that we were going to get to in the show? <laughs> <laughs> just. Uh, it's racially charged. There we go. There we uh, go. Anyway, if, if you want to call Gods of Egypt whitewashed, that's fine. I don't really care. You can complain about that. Uh, but if you're going to complain about that, this is where the whole Hollywood hypocrisy thing mm-hmm. get, just drives me absolutely nuts. Because if you're going to complain about that, then I'd better not hear you uh, celebrating when Michael B. Jordan plays the Human Torch. Right. Or when Lynn Manuel Miranda plays Alexander Hamilton on Broadway, you know people go nuts for this stuff. Well, you got to make a choice. Do you want colorblind casting or do you want accurate casting? You can't necessarily have both, right? I'll buy that. Um, anyway, so take your pick. I, I suspect that many people are taking secret option number three, in which they have this Don't. principle, and if white people violate it, it's bad, and if uh, people of color violate it, it is good, or at least ignored. And the audience is wow. taking option number four. We will not see it. Wow. So, I don't know. What do you think, Ryan? I bet I just made you very angry. No, actually, it's you're... I understand the feeling, um, and I think the problem is that we face is that right now, we're in a, we're in a time period in society where the... Gaining ground as a, from a minority perspective, doing things like Lin Manuel Lin Manuel Miranda as Hamilton, like that, they're being lauded and 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 really showcased as this is a really cool thing, this is great, and why you know people shouldn't have a problem with this um, because right now that's where the discussion's at. Hopefully, in a few years, we'll get to that point where it doesn't really matter; it's whoever does the best job at it. Um, we're just not there as a society yet. It doesn't really bother me in the sense of because there's not really much you can do about it right now, to be honest, other than on a personal level, decide that if you care about it that much, what are you going to do about it? Right. Yeah. yeah. You can complain all you want, but what if you, what are you going to do about it? I I guess. Yeah. I mean, not go see the movie or whatever, or, or go yeah, see I, the movie. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, we probably shouldn't get too deep into these weeds. I was going to say, of, you know, we're a fantasy science fiction podcast, not a political action podcast. Here, here you go. Speaking <laughs> of movies we want to see. There you go. That, that Civil, was the segue to what you know what? There's a there's a you know list. The problem, Ken, the problem with that segue is the moment that you call out a segue, it's no longer a good segue. Right. So anyway, ta- capitalizing on what Ken just said. Cap, there, cap, cap. Capitalizing? Capitalizing. Capitalizing. Yeah. I am on Team Cap. I really am going to be on Team Cap. Um, I would expect you to be on Team Iron Man. Oh, no. no, You are Iron Man. I I may be Iron Man, but I am on Team Cap. Um, Captain America Civil War, as I've watched the trailers continue to come out, um, every time I say to myself, uh, you know, I, I, I hope that Marvel is still being smart and they're holding things back. Every preview that they've ever done has been has been masterfully played to show just enough stuff to make you say, wow, that was really cool. But they've always held just enough back so that when you go to the movie, you don't feel like you saw all the best bits in the 10 or 12 minutes of preview. Right. Like every comedy trailer ever. 
I'm I I, yeah. I I was saying to myself I they they can't do anything more with this last trailer so I avoided even watching it for the la for about a week and then when I finally watched it a couple of days ago and we have this moment with um, Spider-Man jumping into the fray we have the moment where it replays the scene from the first Captain America where Iron Man is just pounding the crap out of him and he says we Cap we need you know stay down and he says I can do this all day I'm looking at it and I'm saying to myself back. this is gonna be a fun film I'm in. I am all in, and I am Team Cap. Thank you very much. Yeah. I would have been happy if I hadn't seen Spider-Man until the actual movie, but I'm, that being said, I don't mind being in the trailer. I don't know that we're going to see much more of Spider-Man than we did in the trailer, but just the fact that they're finding little bits and pieces to throw, but I, I'm, I'm confident we're going to see a really good film. Yeah. I, Based on everything that I have heard about this so far, I'm actually kind of interested, Todd, to see how how your feelings react through the whole movie. I almost want like a, a remote in the theater for everybody sitting there to like push the button, which side they're on at any given time in the movie. Oh, that would be awesome. Wouldn't opinions it? change uh, to go through because I, I've watched just, I mean, from the trailer pieces I've been watching and it's like, okay, I can understand, you know, each side of the argument there. And if they do a, as well, good of a job as they're purporting that they've done um, in terms of making you understand the both viewpoints. Ryan, are, yeah. are you, you barking? At different points going, hey, you know what? I might be a little more team Iron Man than I thought. Yeah. The the cool thing about this one is that it looks like they've, they're have they doing a very good, uh, they're making a very strong effort to capture the Civil War storyline, at least the intention behind it. Um, that's, a, that's a huge comic book arc, uh, the ramifications of which are still being played out in Marvel's universe. Um, and so, uh, I'm, that's, that's one of the pieces as a, as a, as a comic book person, as a, as a comic geek, um, I'm, I'm excited to see how good a job they do that and still play it in a way that makes it an appropriate mass market movie. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I, uh, I am going into it as team cap, uh, just due to my, my political leanings. Uh, but, but. I hope they can change my mind, or at least, uh, or at least make me come out feeling ambiguous about the situation. I'm sure that they'll. Do, I'm, I'm sure they're going to do a good job with yeah. it. I'm sure they yeah. will. And speaking the, of the way that they handled the political stuff in Captain America Two oh. was masterful. Yep, absolutely masterful. And so, yeah. So I assume it will be just as good here, but maybe not. We'll see. Um, speaking of movies that uh, make us choose one side or the other, or the other, Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. Speaking of trailers, <laughs> what a mess! What an absolute mess DC has made of these trailers. Oh, poor DC. By my count, <laughs> they've done four trailers so far for Batman v Superman. If we right? don't, if we don't include the uh, the commercials for Saudi Arabia Airlines well, or whatever, whatever. Um, oh gosh, uh, there there have been four trailers. The first one was a, a pretty quick one, and it was bad. It was it was like. You know, this movie's going to be a mess. This looks the terrible. The red capes are coming. The red capes are coming. And then the second one made it look pretty good. Yep. I was excited about it. Then the third one made it look like the worst movie that had ever been made by humans ever. Was that the one with Doomsday in it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then the uh, fourth one, the one that just came out a week or two ago, looks really good. And I'm very excited again. So I'm just all over the place with this movie. I have no idea how to feel. I've never read any of the comics or anything, so I have no guiding principles there. Oh. Uh, so I'm very excited, but I'm very trepidatious. So, yeah. uh, Ken? Oh, that's, 
I'm excited. I mean, I'm not excited, excited, but I'm excited. <laughs> it's it, I, how's that for couching? Is that like I don't like you that way? So I, I want to tell you my my most favorite part of the of the whole lead up for this because there's uh, this this is one that I'm going into. I'm I'm I've been very much a, a Batman Superman fan for a, most of my life, but I've never been in a situation where I felt like I needed to choose one or the other, and and this time around. Oh, I'm having a tough time with this. But my favorite moment that has led up to this was, I think it was the Jimmy Kimmel uh, piece where they, they had Ben Affleck on Jimmy Kimmel and they said, oh yeah, by the way, Jimmy was in the movie, but we had to cut all your stuff out because it was just so overwhelming. And then they showed the clip where Superman and uh, where Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent meet and Jimmy Kimmel wanders on and he goes, hey, wait a minute, you're Superman. Hey everybody! This is Superman. <laughs> it is. It was. Abs- I, I absolutely rolled on the floor. Literally rolled on the floor and laughed. My children are coming in. But Dad, why are you on the floor? I said, "This is so funny," and they're looking at me. They're like, "Why is this funny?" I'm and I'm really glad I wasn't there. It was it, the the thing that I'm liking more and more about this film is that they're recognizing that it is a it it is a film that has to hit lots of levels. And so they're looking for some humor. The first one was very, uh, the first Superman film was uh, very heavy handed. Um, it was very, very preachy. Which first Superman? Uh, sorry. Uh, the most recent one, Superman, Man, Man of, of Steel. Steel. Okay. Very Man preachy, very heavy handed. I was um, like, Christopher Reeve, really? No, really? Christopher Reeve was, they had, they, had, <laughs> they had plenty of humor in that one. Maybe a little too much humor. Um, but the, the, the balance um, I think they've they've really looked at what Marvel's done, and they've taken a, a car. A, I'm hoping that they've taken a little bit of a key from or a cue from that, and started to say, "Oh, we've got to have a little bit more to this to make sure that we play to everybody." Right, Ryan. How are you feeling about this? To be honest, I even with the the last the latest trailer is probably the one bright spot I've seen so far. I love Batman movies. I love the character, but I have not been able to get excited about this film in the least really um in the least no, like no. in the least in the least. like i don't care if i see okay let me put it this way i'm going to see it i don't <laughs> care if i go and see it opening day like you i don't normally do with these films right um the the fact of the matter is man of steel uh, did it poison you that hard so I, I've got to put a modifier on this. Is the fact is, Man of Steel, I don't believe is a terrible movie. I actually think it's quite a good. It's a good Superman movie. It's not a great movie. It's long. It's way drawn out. It's very poorly ad placement heavy. Um, <laughs> it is Superman. Like, so hey, let's talk to Pete Ross down at the IHOP. <laughs> yeah, it's. I felt. I felt like it was just a really, really long commercial that everyone was fighting in. Um, <laughs> those are the aspects of Man of Steel that really. <laughs> oh, well said, sir. Well said. You're loud. Those are the aspects of Man of Steel that really turn me off of where this franchise is heading. Now, if they can rectify that with this film and give me a, give me characters that I care about, give me uh, a storyline that's you know mildly plausible inside of a inside of this comic realm then maybe you'll turn my heart back and I'll, I'll start to be more excited about the justice league movie and and the other ones the aquaman movie and things you're coming out with but right now i'm just kind of like 
you're striking out just about every every chance you get. You're making mediocre uh, hero movies is what they're sure. making. And let's be honest, DC has struggled for the last decade. Um, they've been behind Marvel in every category. Whether we look at uh, new readership, we look at more, we look at the kind of comic books stories that they've been releasing, or we look at the movies. DC has been behind Marvel in every category except one: animated animated movies. DC's animated movies have been kick butt and so much fun. And there's a series oh, right yeah. now. Um, and I, I, I hesitate to bring it up right now, but I want to mention it be in, in context of, yeah, there's a lot of really good movies going on, but there's some really good animated movies going on right now as well. Um, there's a, there's a Black Widow Punisher that just came out on Netflix about four months ago, if I remember correctly. Um, again, it's a, it is a Punisher film. It is, it is bloody. Um, as a comic, as a, as a cartoon, as an animated feature, it is a bloody film. Uh, but oh my gosh, f- such a, such a fun film. Um, but I put that right alongside, uh, the son of Batman, which, uh, came out about a year ago. Um, and, and continues to be a, a very, one of the, one of the, I think the standouts of the Batman franchise, uh, and the DC offerings of, of really interesting films, um, DC's done a great job with Flashpoint. They did a great job with uh, Justice League War. Um, DC has done a has they've got a group of people in their animated film department that really get the characters. They really get the story and they really get the fans. And that's been fun to watch. They do as well as Marvel does in that in that particular corner of the things. All right. Uh, anything else on that subject or should we move on to their, uh, DC's other strength or is it Marvel? No, no it's DC on, well, they, no, well, it's on TV. Yeah. They're both, they're both kind of knocking it out of the park on TV Bef- before we move away from movies though. I mean, it, it is the, it is the year of, we'll come back to good that. versus good because are you, we'll come back to that talking about the mutants. Yeah, well, I just want to still talk okay. about Marvel and DC. Okay. I'm, not, okay. I'm not done with that. We'll, <laughs> okay. we'll go back. All right. Uh, but tell me, you've been watching, Todd, on the I've been on watching. TV? I've been watching Flash. I've been watching Arrow. I've been watching uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I've been... Daredevil, 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 uh, Daredevil, Daredevil. I'm going to come to Daredevil in just a second. <laughs> I've been watching all of the stuff that's been going on on television, and, and the, the television world has benefited from both of these areas. CW has picked up the the um, DC franchises quite nicely, with the exception of Supergirl. Supergirl, I think, is running on ABC? CBS. CBS. Um, ABC, and ABC is... Uh, ABC is Marvel. Marvel. Marvel's yeah. Agents of Shield. Um, and, and they've... I, I think that they've... Uh, um, as long as you remember that every episode of Flash or Arrow uh, or... DC Legends of Tomorrow, but not quite so not quite so heavy-handed there. Um, every episode of those is going to have some very angsty uh, young adult romance issues thrown into the mix of them because that's what the CW does. As long as you remember that, the DC shows on there are doing a really good job. Yeah. Um, but equally well. That was what everybody was afraid of with Shannara on MTV. Yeah. And they totally delivered all that crap, and I would have forgiven it if they would have respected the material. Right. Or, right. The, or the audience, for that matter. And Anyway, and, blah, blah, blah. Um, CW is doing a great job with that. They're, they're right now running kind of a, a Flashpoint Paradox lead-up, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I think when they execute that, it's going to be a blast. But you've also got some really wonderful things going on with Marvel. Their their television properties do a really good job. The place that Marvel does 
exceptionally well is when they get away from mass market television stuff and they do the TVMA stuff out on Netflix for Jessica Jones, for Daredevil. Oh my goodness, this new Daredevil series with uh, with the Punisher. Um, yeah. They've, they've come back, they've brought these characters back to Hell's Kitchen and they've shown what happens after you have a year of vigilante activity and copycats. Uh, similar to what they did in the Dark Knight, the, the second Dark Knight film. Uh, with with copycats coming out trying to trying to capitalize on that, but oh my goodness, uh, this this new uh, this new iteration of Daredevil delivers on every cylinder just like the last one did. I I would mildly, at least up to this point mildly disagree with that. What? Um, just mildly. Uh. Listen, listen. I love Daredevil, and I am loving. Oh, we, I think we've all seen about three episodes or so, uh, and so far so good. But it's <laughs> how do you live up to season one? Season one was like a ninety nine percent on my own personal tomato meter. By tomato, I mean that red thing in my chest that used to be a heart. Um, I'm glad they transplanted it with a tomato <laughs> instead of the other things that we could mention. Right? Uh, <laughs> no. So it, the first season was just so amazingly good that this one, although it is also very, very, very good, it doesn't quite live up. Um, and one of the things that I noticed right away is uh, in episode three, we have a hallway fight, much like we did in episode like, two of yep. season one. Now, it's it's very cool, but it's not as uh, it's not as real. It's not as visceral. It's not as something as it was in season one. It's not as striking or innovative. It's something I, you look at so, and you go, oh, I well, saw and this. The, the, I, I think it comes down to, for me, not the technique, like the, you know, the camera work is great. That's very cool. The the actor and stuntmen, they're very good at it. But it comes down to the fight choreography. Uh, it Things are much, much more polished and kung fu in yes. season two than they were in season one. I loved the brawler aspect of Daredevil in season one. Ryan, you were going to say something real quick. I think part of the, part of the issue you're finding, though, is any second season of a series like this is destined to have it. Um, the one thing that we had with the Daredevil from season one is novelty and a complete world of unknown. Now we know what it's capable of, um, right. and the novelty of it is, has worn off a bit. So season two already comes in a little bit lower. A little handicapped. Simply because we don't have that same... We've built up more excitement and expectation to, to it, Knowing what that there is an expectation, um, I really have a, I I haven't had a chance to get into it, so I can't speak from uh, as to the experience of actually inside the uh, the series. But uh, I think that you may find it as you look back at the by the end of the season, you may look back and go, you know what? Actually, it's 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 fine. It's good. It's fine. It's oh, where it needs to be. And, and like I like I was trying to make clear earlier, please don't think I'm complaining. No, it's still very. It's incredibly enjoyable. I'm having a ball. John Bernthal is is uh, is awesome as the Punisher. So yeah, it, it's it's just that. Um, I, and I think you're absolutely right, Ryan. It's not up to snuff just because the first season was so amazing. I think I had expectations a little too high i think and and i would contend that maybe the reason it's not up to uh, up to what your expectation is is that we're we're forgetting a a fundamental piece of this uh, of the structure of the story structure that i think 
um, plays nicely to having a much more polished uh, stairway fight and a much more and and there's a there's a moment that we see in this stairway fight where he has that same level of I can't believe I'm still standing I can't believe I'm exhausted and well and and when he there's there's the moment right before he starts with the last three and he kind of looks like you got to be kidding me. Uh, right? <laughs> and, and you know, you, he thinks he's home free, and then he, you know, he kind of leans against the wall when he's done, and then he staggers out. We still have a lot of that humanity, that, that humanness. Oh, he can't, you know, how, how exhausted would you be if you just finished this kind of a fight? But he's had a year to practice. What we're seeing is, I think, from a storytelling standpoint, a piece that says when he first did this, he was just walking in and seeing if he could hit people. Now he's had a year to practice and refine technique, to, ref- to hone up what he's going to do. And I think when we introduce Electra, you're going to see a different side of that again as well. Maybe. And, and um, I, I did consider that. And, but and, and that's a I'm piece just saying of, I don't like it as much. And that's a piece of the storytelling, uh, of, of the storytelling arc that they kind of they hint some stuff in there. Um, but again, being a comic book guy, that's a piece that I assume I throw it in. Um, I accept it right from the get-go, and I'm ready to go. However, I will say the best part of that episode is not the hallway fight. It's on top of the building. The dialogue. When When Frank Castle and Matt Murdock are talking to each other, and Frank says, you are just a bad day away from being me. I love that line. He has so many. John uh, Berenthal is the punisher. We've got got three minutes to talk about this, so I will just say – Ken, you mentioned before we started recording that every time uh, Punisher would say something, you would nod your head and go, yeah, oh, totally. Yeah. I, I had the complete opposite reaction. No, I knew Ken um, would have that reaction. Yeah, Ken, yeah. you're a bloodthirsty That's piece of... Every line, I mean, we um, don't get to pick, thing, pick the things that fix us, Ken, Red. You're Ken a half is, measure, all that. Ken oh, is God. the guy who... Uh, I may have to give you this Punisher t-shirt, Ken. <laughs> Ken is the guy for whom the ends justify the means, and I just cannot get into that mindset. I'm, I'm not necessarily, but what Punisher is uh, for people kind of like I guess like me is that he's he's kind of the embodiment of, of dream fulfillment for lack of a better term he's, he's the person that represents what people would do if they could do what they want to do you know what I mean if there were no consequences yes right. that's exactly right he's he's the wish fulfillment and boy are we glad there's consequences the thing that I've always struggled and the and the thing that they that they're doing a good job with now granted we're only three episodes into what a 13 episode uh, arc um, but the the thing that has always been uh, pivotal with the Punisher, uh, and to some extent, some iterations of the Batman, um, has been that he will he is willing to go to places and do things that no one else is willing to, but everybody else tacitly approves of, and and this argument. But I, I will say this: I think that the Punisher, uh, as he's being portrayed here pulls a lot of cues from Bullseye in the Daredevil comic series. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there were some, there were some lines uh, that were delivered in that rooftop exchange that I have heard, and, or not heard, but that I have seen scripted as lines for Bullseye at different points in, in, the, the, comic. in the comic book series. Interesting. It's a, it, and it's a real, um, it's a really, really, really um, interesting way to play those kinds of conflicts. Um, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's it, and it's something that makes me just a little uncomfortable every time I hear some of those, and I go, I'm not sure I agree. Very uncomfortable. Yeah, sorry. And it's I, what it's supposed to be. Uh, and I'm I'm fine with him 
being there to make Matt question himself and understand himself better. But I do not like him, uh, and I do not like his methods. I don't like his yeah. philosophy. I don't. I don't like anything about him so far, except the acting. The acting is amazing. John Bernthal, go, go, buddy, go, act good, act goodly. The the Punisher is the the Punisher statement, and I think th- I think in many ways the pun- the statement is made to the entire audience. You're one really bad day away from being just like me. Eh, yeah. And I just don't know that I believe that. I think that there's a large that's portion a, of it's our... a super cynical way to look at human nature, and I don't know that I am on board with that. I I agree with that, but I think that there's a large portion of our population that that fits. I'm I'm interested to see if they can turn him around and make him a little bit more heroic because Punisher, you know, was a anti-hero, and I don't think that they can necessarily. But I'm also more interested to see how they tie Daredevil season two into the expanded universe of Jessica Jones and Luke Cage yeah. and the Defenders and all that. How is that going to all tie in? I don't know, but here's what I do know. Before we started recording this, I remember we sat down and I was like, oh, yeah, we'll just do a 30-minute uh, chat about, about <laughs> stuff that's happened so far this year. Uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, you know, we'll just kind of chat for a little while. Now, this is uh, – we suck at – being at time management not long winded being concise <laughs> being concise <laughs> and that's probably okay there really was plenty to talk about uh the parting shot i'm very excited to see when electra shows up i want to see if they did her well uh and also remember that this time last year we already had i think two previews for star wars now we have none for uh, rogue one um, yes, but we have lots of pictures of costumes. And we have one, two yeah. pictures of costumes. <laughs> anyway, um, so, yeah, I guess we'll have something to look forward to even before the movie comes out. Mm-hmm. I think the Blitz will come after Captain America. Probably, yeah, you're probably right. Anyway, uh, Ryan, do you have any parting words or uh, are you good? No, I'm feeling pretty good about what we talked about. Very nice. Um, all right, we'll wrap it up and uh, see all of you guys later. Uh, now, here is... For the final announcement, uh, if you've stayed here till the end, it's because you're a, uh, a fan of ours, I guess, or, or at least a, we're, or we're at a least, fan of you, or at least a listener of us. Yeah, that's right. We're fans of you. Um, or and a so, sadistic. <laughs> well, that would be masochistic, I think. Unless uh, they're in masochist. Sweden. That's right. Uh, unless they've got somebody else in the car. <laughs> uh, so I will tell you, if you go to the, uh, if you go to mz.com/legendarium, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, now you have an extra incentive to do so. Uh, if you're a, Brand- a Brandon Sanderson reader, if you will sign up uh, a- and do an email invite, I will throw your e- your email address into the hat for a uh, uh, personalized copy of The Bands of Mourning, personalized by the Legendarium Podcast panelists. Uh, so we'll be doing that for the next two weeks, or two or three weeks, I think. Are we dividing it up that much? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, no, 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 no. I mean, I'm taking entrance oh, uh, for oh. the for the uh, drawing for the next few weeks. Okay, change so mind. So hop in there and uh, go to mz.com slash legendarium. Sign in. When you do that, um, I'll see your email address, and I'll throw that in there. And then if your name is drawn from the hat, you will get an email, and it will be a congratulations, and we'll get you a book. And it'll be a hardcover version of Bands of Mourning. It's pretty nice, actually. So... We'll see you guys all on Imsy, and we'll see you on Facebook and thelegendarianpodcast.com and all the usual places. And if we see you on the street, don't punch us. We're happy people. Well, 
Some of us. Yeah. You can punch Ken. You can punch he Ken. Likes Ken like likes punching. the punching. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good week. We'll see you next week for Bands of Morning. See you later. Bands of Morning.